0: kick things off i don't know if you've seen actually uh, what came out in the uk yesterday they said gyms won't be allowed open until the first of october that's what the uk said yeah first of october they put out their plan and i was kind of reading the comments underneath obviously this was on social media the the post that i was reading and it was like people's mental health people's depression people's um you know anxiety all those kind of things it's it's actually going to create more damage essentially this this was the bulk of the comments now it's going to create more damage people open the gyms open the gyms the gyms need to be open it's my sanctuary it's my place i was kind of looking at it from two point of views i was kind of looking at it like um i agree with everything but then at the same time i was like saying should we only have one sense of like you know um if you want to say place to because i know we talked off air as well where should we only have one sense where we can kind of get rid of that or should we should this kind of make us aware that you should kind of have two things in case something did happen to say like the gym industry or something else, do you know that kind of way? What's your thoughts just on that alone?
1: I think that's, it's like when we talked about the the structure, right? Is that it becomes, it becomes part of people's daily routine. And I think if you, if you said to a lot, and I've had the same issue with a lot of clients or I don't want really to say issue, but it's like concern raised with a lot of clients who Um, and even friends and trainers and things who I've spoken to is that they go, I just don't have the motivation because you lose that same reliance on what you've known as an output or what you've known as kind of, I'm going to go here, I'm going to select these things and I enjoy working with this. And there's a lot lot of people who I think um, it's the feel, it's the, the presence of being in a certain space. It's the feel of equipment. It's like how things are moving. It's your body moving in space. And for people to have that, if you've had years of that, then to suddenly have something stripped away that wasn't, I think for a lot of people, because it wasn't necessarily a choice, it's been mm. something that has been placed upon them that they have to suddenly go into this lockdown that, again, they don't feel they're sick. They don't feel they're an at-risk population or whatever it is. And so they we get to a point where socially people start to feel that, well, why am I suffering? Well, why am I missing out? Because of someone else who I need to be worried about and so we have this kind of this movement initially of oh yeah let's work together and then it kind of like it's the greater good if you will and then kind of reaches that point where suddenly okay but I'm sick of doing everything to protect people who I don't know or I don't even they don't even mean anything to me so I think it shifts there's a um, a perception of validity of these answers if you're affected directly. So for example, if you and I had grandparents or parents or siblings or whoever that was directly affected by this, and they were at risk populations or you've seen them get sick or gone through something, suddenly this has a whole different impact on you. The way the weight that it carries and the weight of that impact and choices, it affects you completely differently. But if you're not affected by it directly and you're being told, yes, but we're doing this because of, X, Y, and Z, and you're like, yeah, but that's not me. Suddenly it kind of becomes this choice of why is someone else dictating what I can and can't do purely because I've got to be worried about whoever it is that I don't know.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And so there's that it
1: big makes, social disconnect, right?
0: It makes it uh, in the beginning. I agree with what you said. It's like, I'll come together. I'll want to do this. And then at some point it shifts where it's like, I'm doing so much to help others. But who's kind of helping me at the end of the day? I need to help myself because if I don't look after myself, I essentially can't look after others if I'm not in a good headspace, if I'm not in a good position, if I'm not, you know, thinking clear, how can I, you know, make those because a lot of the times I kind of think back to when I was younger, when you're not in a good headspace, it's very easy to make a very irrational and, you know, a decision or, you know, a silly decision that can you know potentially ruin you know, whether it's work in the gym, whether it's working career, whatever it is, um, relationship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's like, okay, yeah, I I we understand the principle of, you know, hygiene and I think there is going to be a massive shift and gyms are gonna not be the same as they used to be. Like it's not well, you know, it might take some time to get back to that. But I agree with what you're saying, that at a certain point it's like, who am I helping if I'm not helping myself, if I'm every day having to, you know adhere to these because essentially what it is is it's like if you if your only outlet is the gym and say you hate your job um or you hate your lifestyle and you spend because i remember being maybe 15 16 and i always used to get slag because i used to spend four hours in the in the gym like but that's just where i went you know what i mean like i didn't you know it was either that or it was going to be you know out with the lads you know doing stupid things trying to you know Figure stuff out, but I used to go and I used to do like two hours on the bike. And the guy that actually owned the gym used to say to me, "Like, do you mind if I run home?" His house was close, and you just watched. <laughs> That's kind of how I got into the whole, you know, gym industry because I was kind of on reception at the same time as sitting on just a stationary bike. I'd just be there for two or three hours, so I can a hundred percent relate to the people who are, you know, feeling like you know, spe- in Ireland now. You haven't got anything out in New Zealand yet, have you?
1: Uh, so, I'm Australia. Um, oh, yeah, you're in Australia. Middle, yeah, yeah. Um, I know I've got the strong Kiwi accent coming in <laughs> <Yeah. fucking> faster. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so we've just had part announcements today um, in the sense of Queensland supposedly is going to be opening, I don't know, like the rules are supposedly going to be getting announced a little bit later, like our you imagine kind of like the states, right? As like governors and things like that. I think some of the Mm -hmm. stuff in Australia is that we've got our prime minister overviewing general rules and then you can run rules in those states at different timeframes based on kind of, I think it's the premier or whoever it is, who like the state people who are running those states, they make rules as well. So they can decide timeframes and things like that. And so we've just had a three-stage process or opening rollout, whatever you want to call it, that's been announced. And supposedly by, I think they're saying mid to end July, um, stage two is when gyms are going to be opening. And so they're saying by mid to end July, they should have gone through all three stages. However, some states may not have. And where I think the difficulty lies is that, let's say, and this is something my partner and I were talking about today, is that let's say the gyms open, the gyms are opening on a limited capacity. So we can't just all of a sudden have the same sense of um, usage or whatever it was that we were paying for previously that it was like, okay, well, I'll just go to the gym whenever I feel like it. And if you've got a 24-hour gym, for example, oh, well, I'll go there at 7 a.m. and so will 500 others. Maybe not. There's a very limited capacity of people who are now allowed in that space. And the downside of that is like if I turn up and let's say they're only allowing 10 people in we still haven't worked out the details yet of am I number 11 and I've got to go home. And in which case of 7am and to 8am is my only time to train. Cause I've also got work or whatever else. Do I not have to pay my membership? Like how do these things work? And these are all details that haven't yet been ironed out. But if we go back a second to what you were mentioning, like with mental health, I think like we talked about um, off air, it was that the mental health side of things, let's say, I tell you not to look at a red car. I'm like, red cars don't exist. And suddenly you're out there and you see a red car and then all you can frickin' see is red cars, right? It's like, shit, all I can see is red cars. And I'm like, did you see the 50 white cars that you had today? And you're like, no, all I saw was like a thousand red cars. So you get so focused on I'm missing out on the gym, 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 gym all the time. And it's like, someone keeps taking away my option for the gym. Why can't I not go back to the gym? And it's like, okay you've got a lot of other things. I know they're not things that you may have chosen in the first place, but we do have a lot of other routes that you can work on. And for a lot of people, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that like, yes, exercise is important for mental health, but exercise is such an encompassing word and term of like, what are we doing? It's an activity of what? Like, It's not defined to a gym. I mean, they say going for a run, you're going to feel the endorphins. You feel the runner's high. And it's like, yeah, running's uncomfortable if you don't do it. But you can start somewhere. But we get so obsessed on, no, someone has taken away my gym access. Yeah, okay, we're all missing out on that. But look at also the the positives, which I I know this is a real tangent, but it's like, look at the positives that have come of this. It's like, I've been watching things about, um, supposedly they're saying the ozone layer and things are starting to fix back up, supposedly some of the air quality through some of the worst uh, cities in the world, starting to improve. Animals are in places like I I watched a video of a hippopotamus on a beach that's normally packed with tourists and the hippopotamus (laughs) is going for a swim. It's like the world has shifted accordingly based on the actions that we've, we've made, right? Not everything is negative, but if we always want to view it through that negative lens, that's all we're going to see. And... I completely get it because it's like, I've had the same thing of that lacking motivation and not wanting to train and not feeling like I'm getting the same enjoyment out of training. But at the same time, there's other things I can be working on, right? Like, okay, I can go for a walk. Like how do we make do with the situation we're in? And I think, yes, we can sit and we can spiral into negativity about what we're missing out on. Or we can decide, okay, well, it is what it is for now. How do I work around this? And I'm not saying it's going to be the same. And I'm not saying that you're going to necessarily be chasing the same results or whatever it else may be. But it's like, would you rather be waking up tomorrow and being alive? Or would you rather be in hospital for however many days? Because you may have got something. And again, it's like, it, I, I'm not saying that that happens to everyone, but it's just, if we're going to think worst case scenario of I'm missing out of the gym, okay. Think about worst case scenario of what happens if you get sick. Like, or what happens if your family member gets sick or something else? It's like, we have to think a little bit bigger beyond self at the moment, purely because that's kind of how the world has been impacted. And if you go to the gym and then suddenly that gym gets an infection or a spread again, what happens? They close the door. We're going to be back in square one, right? Like yeah. I, my approach was always from day one as I much rather would have had a six month lockdown or whatever it is, have a full thing where we just lock everything down and we drag it out for years. I mean, God, in two years' time, we wouldn't still want to be in the same position where they're like, "Yeah, we're tentatively opening gyms." I'd rather get it over and done with, but I just know that yes, it sucks at the moment.
0: Yeah, so rather than going back and forward from things, it's it's essentially you get it done, get it out of the way, and move on. But I want with something that you said there was, um, and it made me think like where you focus all your energy, that's what grows like if you focus all your energy on the negative parts of what's going on you essentially become more well you create more negative thoughts you the neg then i suppose the negative thoughts feel sound louder every single day as to where what you were saying there if you look at the positives and they might not be positives relative to how you used to think before but i think if you can shift some sort of um shift some sort of like mindset towards okay, yeah, my gyms might be shut, sure. okay, so, you know, I, let's say I'm a typical, um, I'm just going to say typical, um, you know, gym-goer comes down, likes to lift, uh, likes to do a small bit of cardio, necessarily isn't flexible, probably can't touch their toes, you know, just just to, probably me, you know, maybe, you know, two, three years ago, um, and, like, right now is a time where <laughs> I know it's different, but, like, you can set whether it's a flexibility goal, whether it's a you know like a, a conditioning goal whether it's a weight loss goal like we i wanted to touch on this also as well you know should people be trying to lose weight and um, during the obviously the pandemic but um yeah like right now i think people just need to what you said there is brilliant where it's just need to you need to kind of shift where your energy is going and where your focus is going and like you said if you only focus on the red you'll only see red so if you focus on, you know, the, the green, essentially, you'll only see, see green. And and I think that's I think that's a great way for people to be able to at least start, because I was going to ask you if I'm a, you know, if I'm a, you know, a male typical, uh, say, let's say, 35, maybe, maybe, yeah, around 35 and I'm down and I'm used to doing, you know, like a like a bro split, like, you know, legs one day, chest one day, back another day and, you know, I don't really know how to train outside. I only know how to, you know, run, um, and I. No one's ever really taught me how to, you know, train from home. I have no equipment. Where could somebody like that start in terms of like right now? They've been told in Ireland, um, we've been out of gym action for, you know, six seven weeks, um, and they've just been hit with news that it's going to be another three months. And you know, they're kind of going, "Well, I can't really." <laughs> I can't see the. There's there, even though there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and people should be looking on the positives. Um, how does someone like that who doesn't necessarily, who's never dipped and dabbed in like running, walking, like do they just start and they just say all of a sudden, right, I'm going to start, you know, running or I'm going to start, whether it's press-ups from home, like what would you recommend someone like that to start doing if they've just done it for years, just like I said, train chest, train arms, train back, someone, someone like that. So, I
1: mean, okay, so one point you brought up there was, uh let's say it's flexibility let's say it's conditioning let's say it's fat loss right take a moment for if you're in the gym and I walked up to you let's say you and I are in the same facility and I'm like hey Ryan I noticed like you don't even bring you when you're doing your bench press or when you're doing your squats okay because we see this everywhere it's like when you're doing your squats you're only going down halfway why are you only going halfway why do you not go full deck oh well because this hurts and that hurts and I'm, I just, it's, I'm too tight and my hips jam up Okay, cool. So like, we've got some things we need to work on, right? But if I walked up to you in the gym, and I said to you, well, maybe you should be looking at doing some stretching, maybe you should be doing this, like these things are going to help you not necessarily immediately, but it's kind of a layered effect. And further down the line, you'll prevent injuries. And you'll also, if you're addressing those weak points, or addressing whatever is holding you back from progressing further, or making you the better person that you could be, Maybe we should work on that. And chances are people will be like, yeah, all right, fuck off, mate. Leave me alone. But <laughs> now it's the glaring obvious, right? You you don't have where are you gonna run from it? If you have something that is holding you back, oh, I couldn't sleep well, okay, practice your sleep. Oh, I, I struggle with food. Okay, you always at home. Yes, I am. Have you thought about practicing meal prep? Like, have you thought about learning how to cook? Have you thought about practicing how to just be able to sit and read? Oh, I've got poor concentration. I'm not surprised. You don't do anything to strengthen these things beyond just focusing again on if I go to the gym or I do X, I'm going to have a result. Okay. But that one result has also, it's like, it's a multifactorial thing, right? It's like, we've got so many different inputs to there that could make that result better, worse, or the same. And so if we have people who like conditioning, for example, is that, if we have people who aren't doing conditioning in the gym and they're always doing weights, now's probably the time to work on conditioning. The unfortunate part is that, yes, we have that kind of, where do I start and what do I do? Well, there's a lot of information out there. Yes, I'm not saying that all that information is necessarily reputable and all that information is, is um, will make sense but you also don't need to just go to the first, like type something into Google or search something on Instagram and accept the first thing that you see. Like we've, we've been in this lockdown for months, right? Like there's no reason why people can't do a little bit of research. Now I understand research becomes a little bit confusing and conflicting and everyone's saying different messages and things like that. But we're also in a position where let's say you went out and you were going to go for a run. Like yeah, there's couch to 5k apps. There's, we can do press-ups. We can, like there's so many different things that we can search out on the, in the uh, like on YouTube and on the internet and we'll get results. And it's a case of looking through things and going, okay, does that, does that make sense? And does that fit me? Because I think there's a lot of people as well who are, let's say we had a, a running um, situation where someone wanted to improve cardiovascular fitness. Okay. Well, the person who's telling you to do the run and is saying maybe start with a 10K, do they look like they're same weight, same build, same everything else? Are they giving you ways of tailoring that? Yes or no? Because if you're you're getting information from people who they're already in a position that you want to be, you should probably be learning from the people who are at the same position as you. And there's so much information out there and so much information that is also tailored. And I think that's something that a lot of people, they just immediately go, okay, well, I'm going to start running. So, all right, what is, um, I don't know, a marathon runner, what is he, what is that person doing that is like, I'm going to start doing? Oh, they're running for two hours a day. Cool, I'll go and do that. Yeah, you're going to be fucked after day one, right? Like, it's <laughs> let's scale it back and look at what would you like, how to run, how to start running. Like, keep it really simple, not being, how do I run a marathon or like, what, how long do I need to run in? run to complete a marathon like scale it to your expectations and, and where are you going and what's the rush if you've got six months up your sleeve okay scale it out accordingly
0: it's but really we're all in said. such
1: this attitude of no i need to have it done now okay <laughs> but you weren't working on it in the past so if you weren't working on it in the past why do you suddenly have to have it done now start the same place you did when you went when you first went into the gym you were slogging your ass off for two to three hours sitting on a spin bike i, I guarantee that first session that you went in probably felt like hell
0: <laughs> it's like but you eventually got that. to the point where it felt easier it's that point where people just want to like they just want that instant result or that instant um almost like gratification of yeah i've done it where it's like that's what sets you up for failure it's that you know i always say go least mode before you go beast mode it's where you like you start with as little effort as possible and add bit by bit um when you tell clients that it kind of comes across like okay we're not gonna go in and we're not gonna murder our sessions and you're not gonna be leaving here feeling like you want to puke and they kind of you know look at you and they're like what do you mean like lease mode i'm coming to you because i want to work hard i'm giving you all this you know uh you, you know uh i suppose motivation uh drive etc etc um, and you're telling me you know to kind of hold back but it's that long game that people don't understand that yes that is motivation only gets you to a certain point but then it's like you're saying um, with, with, it, with with your own research and with it, like a calculated approach, you can actually make a lot of progress if you really, you know, try it. Um, in terms of what you said there about running, in Ireland there's a thing where people are literally trying to run, I think it's like 100 kilometers um, within the month of each month. And they're like, they're doing like 10K a day or even like 14K a day. And then there's also this other thing where they're doing it's, I know it's all raised for charity. So it's all got a good meaning behind it. Um, and it's four kilometers every four hours for 48 hours. So it goes into your <laughs> sleep patterns we are just running four hours. And then in another four hours, you run another four kilometers and so on for, for two whole days. Um, and people are seeing this and people are, I don't know if people are attempting this silently, but when you see that all over social media, people running, you know, 12, 13, 14 kilometers posting, because there's this thing now where people will, you know, screenshot their route and essentially like there's these people coming in with like three and a half minute uh, kilometers and like crazy, crazy statistics. Like when I run a kilometer, it might be six and a half minutes. You know what I mean? I see someone's story and it's like three and a half. And um, but I think I think what you said there is where like we, we have to not try compare ourselves to to that athlete or to that, you know, person on social media and, you know, getting advice or information off somebody who is actually in the same position, or if not just say one, you know, step up is is probably a really good place to start. And to be honest, if someone asked me, you know, how do I start? Like typing in, like if I ever have a problem, like, you know, how to start a podcast, what do I do? I type into Google, how to start a podcast or YouTube how to start a podcast. So, In terms of like how do I start running, (laughs) there is probably content out there that will, you know, educate you for free and inform you on how to do that correctly and put you in a better position than someone who just goes out and runs, like I said, fifteen kilometers and then wakes up with a with a sore knee, a sore hip, and then goes out the next day and then all of a sudden is, you know, having to figure out shit now. I can't do anything. I can't put even weight on my left ankle. Or I actually know a guy who done his hip in. Uh, from running and now he's it, it's that knock-on effect where where now he's obviously disappointed because he couldn't do what he wanted to do but now he's couch bedridden house you know bound um, and as the days go on it gets you know i can see it get a little bit worse and worse and worse um, so that's why i always say lease mode before beast mode i don't know if you take a similar approach say where it sounds like you do
1: Something you mentioned there, so like lease mode to beast mode, right? is like I, I work with muscle nerds health is like that's the company I work for, I've worked for them for quite a while, is that like I'm one of the coaches there, and i've I've done all of the education and is that when it comes to lease mode, people think lease mode is easy. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, and especially when we look at so the courses we teach, so if i if I talk just for a moment is like a, a program design course we teach we go over lease mode and what it should be based on where the individual is, right? Now, everyone's least mode and everyone's beast mode is very different. For some people, you give them lease mode and they feel like they're beasting already. When in reality, they're not. They're just like they haven't experienced that yet. But lease mode is very different from, I'm just going to the gym and I'm dicking around and it's easy. Lease mode still has a purpose and lease mode can still be very taxing. And I think this is where we look at what is lease mode, if you will, in quotations, and what is beast mode in quotations. And we have the sense of, okay, if I'm going to the gym and I'm beast moding I'm kind of going balls to the wall. Okay, but there's no reason you shouldn't be going balls to the wall in lease mode. It's just having a structured approach and having a, a, knowledgeable, um, a knowledgeable and strategic way forward of what are you needing to iron out? so that you can take your beast mode to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people oversight that and they think, oh, if I'm gonna be least modding, I'm only doing a couple of sets of this and maybe I'm just doing like, I'm, I'm fluffing around a little bit and it's like, it's easy training. Okay, maybe if you are at a very, very basic level, that could be your least mode if you want and that's your like your general preparatory phase. You're just doing a couple of sets and maybe you come in three times a week and yes, you're not really used to training yet or the adaptations, So you have a very low training age and you also have a very low tolerance to training stress. That's fine. We all have to start somewhere, but you will accumulate your level of ability over time. And you'll also accumulate your resiliency to that stress. But then the problem is when we also say to people, okay, let's say I have someone who's been training for five years and I say, we're going to put them through a lease mode phase. If they've been going again, balls to the wall for five years training as hard as they can, what they think hard as they can every session. They're under recovered. They're not necessarily overtrained, but they're just not recovering to their optimal levels. They're insufficient on sleep. They're insufficient on cardiovascular health. They're not really feeding themselves enough. Their lease mode may be cutting back, doing less training volume and focusing on ironing things out. Like if you've always been doing bilateral movements, squats, bench, those types of things, maybe we need to spend some time focusing on unilateral movements. Maybe we need to spend some time focusing on actual conditioning, structured conditioning, not just, okay, well, you're going to do hit intervals but we're going to spend some time actually working on cardiac output. We're going to spend some time working on bringing everything back down and improving your recovery. So then when we do slingshot you back into harder training phases, now you're not only recovering better, but you're adapting more efficiently as well. And the results you're getting are going to be far, far greater. But then people think that like we have almost the stigma in our mind that if I said to you, okay, Ryan, today we're going to go in and we're going to do split squats and you've been doing back squats. You're going to see split squats as kind of a pussy version of doing back squats. You're like, why are you putting me on one leg when I can already back squat 180 kilos? It's like, well, okay, because your lower back doesn't feel the best. You squat like shit and you don't really exactly be able to stand up straight afterwards. It's like, yeah, you can load the bar, great, but it doesn't mean that that's an effective movement for you currently. And that is not demonizing back squats. It's just saying if you've been doing the same movement over and over and over again, and you've ingrained poor motor habits or ingrained poor movement patterns, we need to take a step back and iron everything back out. And like even for myself is that I know when I go to the gym, it's like, yeah, I can do front squats. I can do all of those things, no problems. But I also spend a good chunk of my day sitting at a desk working. So I don't want to go and do more anterior dominant flexion-based movements if I'm not balancing that also out with extension based movements and some stretch based movements through my hip or my chest or my back, whatever it may be like, I want to address the areas that are weak before they become an area that is now a problem. And that is something I know you and I talked about, um, off air a while back was like, I don't like treating problems. I'd rather prevent problems. Because let's say it's cardiovascular health, right? you go to do a a run or a jog or even a walk and you're struggling with it. Okay, that's kind of a red flag. Like if you're breathing and you feel like you're going to pass out and you're red-faced and sweating balls because of just doing a very light walk on an incline, yeah, that's probably a red flag that we need to address that. And like heart rate goes through the roof and it's like, all right, we probably need to spend some time working on your cardiovascular health. Yeah, well, I'd rather not because I'm going to lose my strength gains. Yeah, but if we work on your cardiovascular health, you can get more work done in a allotted period of time when you go to the gym. So would you rather only be able to get five sets done or would you rather get six, seven or eight sets done? Would we rather be able to get more work done? Would we rather be able to get a greater greater tonnage of work done? Like everything can be negotiated, right? And we can always find ways of getting ourselves out of it. But then at the end of the day, if you are not recovering well, let's say your cardiovascular health is not optimal, you're probably not going to sleep well. Now, we only have one opportunity typically in every 24 hours to sleep. So we want to be making the most of that. And if you're currently at a 50% sleep rate, yeah, I'd rather have you at a 70 or 80% sleep rate or quality or efficiency, whatever, and optimize the time that you have through other means that I can control during the day but it's not going to be comfortable the same way you didn't walk into the gym and just load 180 kilos on day one and do a back squat. You took time to get there and we're going to take time to get these other means up and running and improved as well.
0: Yeah, no, that, I want to just pull back on one thing you said just before I forget it. Cause I I try to keep it in my head as, as we're going and, um, where it's like we talked we talked off air as well where where like you were referencing the importance of recovery to to an athlete like like that might be used to um training back squats or you know doing like one two rep maxes where they don't have that endurance to go for you know maybe an incline walk or a couple of more reps and it's where as as coaches and as trainers you said negotiating it's almost like you have to make it relevant to them you have to make like for you to help someone you have to be able to make them see sense in why you're suggesting what it is you're doing because straight away you say to somebody who gets up at you know six o'clock or uh, five o'clock in the morning to go train and you know they go have a shit session every single day but it's the habit of getting up at five that they you know that they've told themselves that they have to do Um, and you know they work late and they don't get home and they sit on the couch and you know they fall asleep at like half eleven twelve it's where like having to tell that person to go to bed at say nine o'clock, if they want to keep that schedule in and they'll turn around and say, well, I'm not willing to give up this or I'm not willing to, you know, go to bed early or yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll, you know, kind of forget you said it to them. But when you say to them, like, if you get three extra hours of sleep every single night, like in a couple of, like not instantly, but maybe instantly in a, in a couple of weeks, you should notice huge improvements in your, you know, in your strength, in your workouts in your performance. And when they actually listen, and I, I found this a lot of times, especially the, the clients that I would train would be typically, you know, older men. And it's very hard for me to kind of communicate across to them and try to get them to see sense in what I'm suggesting, whether that's meal prep or something here in Ireland that people tend to do, is especially men, is not be responsible for their own food, uh, kind of that age demographic between 40 and kind of, you know, 60 where they'll just kind of eat what's in front of them or you know go to the shop so i've often had guys who you know i don't i don't do food food you know what i mean that's what i've got in response and i'm like but you need to know like you know about food like if if you're coming to me with a weight loss fat loss goal um like I, like I, i've often given people advice and they've gone home to whether whoever's at home and said look i need you to do this for me and i'm like I did not tell you to go home and give orders to, you know, your spouse. Um, You need to understand this. And even trying to communicate that message and they're like, I don't want to know, I don't want to know. I just want you to tell me what to do. I just want you to tell me what to do. And it's like, it's that kind of what we said, creating friction, where the less friction that it's not even tricking them, but in terms of like the less friction that you can create. So it might not be a suitable suggestion in every single scenario. And it may be like, in some people's eyes, um, you know, we said outside what is the norm thing to do is is where it's just that kind of ask those questions on kind of, you know, why don't you, you know, prep your own food? Like, would you not like to know, you know, or would you not like to be able to cook or etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's where if you, for example, like how do you find how do you find that although we all know the advice is right, how do you then take a client who is in a position of three to four hours sleep and actually get them to follow step by step because even in my experience and i know a lot of trainers here and um, find that we all know the information and it's easy to tell someone what to do or how to actually make them do it is a whole different uh, side of it yeah and i
1: think that's um like you mentioned with the food there right it's like you need to know this yeah but i don't want to know it knowledge is power right but ignorance is bliss. So it's not knowing what you're eating is one of the, and this is something my partner and I talk about is that like, I feel the more I have learned, the more it's been an amazing, like enlightenment, if you will, of saying, okay, well, I can look at foods on menus and I can adjust this and I can assess this. And then at the same time though, when you didn't know that information, sometimes you just went out and you did it. And so there's that kind of there's that element of paralysis by analysis, the more, you know, and the more that people are aware of suddenly the way that those choices or the way that the perception of those choices changes. Right. And I think that's something, especially for not just males, but potentially more so males. It's, it's kind of like, well, if I don't know, or if I just ignore it, it's not really there. I mean, why do we have all of these issues where men don't get there? Um, The general health checked, why men don't go to the doctors. It's like, yeah, it'll sort itself out. Like it's kind of that thing. of it doesn't matter, even if my heart's going to stop tomorrow, I'd rather not someone tell me about it because then it's, I know that it's not there, like despite how bad it might be. And I think that's something we don't want to have that kind of that mirror held up to us where we, we have to have a cold, hard look at ourselves and actually acknowledge, okay, my choices are shit. And I think that's where, I don't like the word manipulation, um, but it's almost kind of like that in terms of like puppet mastery of going, okay, how do I tweak strings in a certain way to get you to actually open your eyes and take a look at this? And I think some people that may be via their kids, for example, like you have men who are in their 30s or 40s and you say, okay, well, I understand you may not wanna know anything about food, but one, or you may want want to go for a run, or you may not want to work on your cardiovascular health or get some sleep or whatever it is. But I do want to ask you this, do you want to be around for your kids for another 5, 10, 15 years? Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Do you also want to make the most of that time? Or do you just want to be there, but just kind of be laid out on the couch? Well, I'd really like to play with my kids and I'd like to spend some time in the yard or whatever. Okay. So this is why you're doing what you're doing, right? Like there's a bigger motive here than just yourself. And we've also got to be aware of those who are around us. And I think sometimes that kind of impact on men. Um, Women, I I believe in any way in in my experience is like women are usually more aware of that, right? Like they have that kind of, okay, well, I want to be around to take care of people. Um, Not always, but usually. And then you've got men who kind of, they need that massive slap to the face of like, Hey, this is not just you. Like this is bigger than you. This is for the people you are providing for. You want to be a fix it person or you want to provide solutions or whatever it is. That's fine. But you need to currently fix yourself in order to help fix those around you or be around, like be the solution for those people around you. And similarly, if that's for food, one thing I would say is that let's say there's a household where, um, sounds really sexist when I say it, but very stereotypical in the sense of the male maybe works, wife comes home, takes care of kids, or whoever it is who's the dominant cooker, right? Like if it's the female that's cooking in the house, or the wife or partner, or whoever it may be who's cooking in the house, potentially, that's our avenue. So because if, if they're the person who's doing all the cooking, all the prepping, whatever it may be, then that would be the avenue of let's talk to that person because they're probably more likely to be able to instigate change that is also going to stick if this person is not wanting to do anything. So we kind of use that backdoor approach of, okay, well, I'll just, I'll, can I, I was just about to say, can I get the number of your wife? But that's probably don't say that to clients. Um, Can I get some, like, would you mind bringing your wife down so I can have a chat with her? Or would you mind if it's the wife and the male does the cooking, would you mind bringing your partner down and and I have a chat with him? Just whoever does the cooking at home, would you mind if like, or I just print off some information or can I send them an email or can I have a chat with them so that they're also on board with it? So you don't feel like, especially in a family sense, You don't feel like you're pulling one member of the family away from everyone else because there's a big challenge there, I think, especially on nutrition is that when we try and make changes, we create isolation and there's nothing like feeling having people feeling isolated when it comes to a change. Because we want to create support, right? And I think, and I've had this with both males and females, is they, oh, well, then I'm going to have to cook by myself. Or my partner sits on the couch and they eat a packet of biscuits in front of me. And they're kind of laughing at like how I've got these foods. And I think, well, okay, I would rather, in that sense, I'd rather help you and your partner, whoever it is, male, female, husband, wife, whatever it may be. It's like, I would rather help the both of you be better in terms of health and maybe we address both your nutrition and figure out what are the negotiables here that we can work on because I'm going to have better success with the person who I'm working with. So if I know that, let's say, um, one person does the cooking. Okay. Would you be able to, would you guys be willing to do these changes? Like how are you with cooking and with these changes? And if they say, look, I'm willing to change food regardless. Like if you want me to pull things out, change things, whatever, you just tell me what you want and we'll both do it. Perfect. Like we've we've broken down that wall, but we've opened up so many opportunities, right? But I do believe that a lot of us almost have this intimidation of, well, I don't want to overstep my mark and speak to someone who is not paying for my services. And it's like, yeah, but you need to understand who's in that person's network or who's in that person's direct social circle. And this is something that I think that if it's same in the workplace, if you know the secretary is the one who does or the PA or whoever it may be is the one who organizes a lot of things for the person who is currently currently coming to see you. Maybe we should be trying to have a discussion with them about, okay, well, if you're going to be getting lunches, just understand, can you organize some protein shakes to be delivered to whoever at this time? Can you organize this to be done? If you're going to be going out and getting meals, here are some meal companies you could order from. Like let's work with the people who are in that person's life and are having the impact in that person's life in those areas we need to address. Because if, if a man, let's say your client who you were mentioning is like, let's say if, if that male is not interested in food, we're going to be banging our head against a wall trying to get them to when food was never a thing that they had to take care of for themselves. Maybe it's only breakfast. So it's like they sort their breakfast or they sort their lunch and all these other meals are sorted for them. All right, well, let's address those meals because now we've got at least a 65 to 80 percent chance of correcting a lot more things than trying to constantly adjust things that they're just going to be immovable on
0: that's actually great trainers because i know a lot of trainers who struggle and who would come and just you know conversations whether it's in passing or whether it's you know on the gym floor it's like like i just can't guess x and y to do what i want them to do um and again it's taking that approach of like okay if this doesn't work how can i change and sending that email or you know contacting that partner to kind of have that conversation and um, could save people so if, if 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 there is trainers currently struggling with that i think that piece of information is actually because if you break down that barrier where you're talking to two of them instead of one of them then you've got both on your team and then then it's e- not easy but it's so much easier than um you know having to because i always i always say that as well as is you want to not create like i say friction at home so you don't want to be sending you know person a home where you know like you said isolated they're eating a different meal on the on the dinner table they're you know you know being made fun of or you know uh, there's often been situations with women where the 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 man might be you know daisy with food and doesn't necessarily care and that's that i suppose we won't get into that but where the woman's trying to make a change and the the man is, oh, you're boring, oh, like, you know, can you just, you know, relax? Can you just, you know, come out for a drink? Can you just, you know, order Chinese with me? And, you know, it, it's kind it, that's when you create that friction at home as a as a as a coach. And um, you, you, you want to avoid creating that because at the end of the day, that person came to you for, you know, a certain goal. And if, if you can't get them there, you know, you need to figure out how to get that. So reaching out to the, to the partner and being able to maybe have a conversation with two instead of one, um, what it would have definitely saved me a lot of headaches when uh, I was coaching, but I want to get into, um, so on that, sorry, just, um,
1: sorry to interrupt, but it's like with the one thing I think that sometimes can be a very easy question to assess early on is just asking like, does your partner know you're here? Because there's a lot of people who they go and get training and the amount of people who like, especially when I started out training people, men or women, and it's like, does your partner know you're here? And they're like, no, nah, I'm sorting this myself, whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, partner, or whatever it may be. It's like, does your partner know you're here? Or do you have a partner? Yes, I do. Or I Just a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever it may be. It's like, do they know you're here? And if you immediately say no, it's like, do you mind me asking why not? it's like oh well because i i've got my own accounts and like i'm sorting everything else myself and it's like okay we immediately know there's going to be a lack of support structure there if someone's not aware of it and it's not necessarily a lack of support through a um an intended like trying to pull that person down or an intended roadblock but the person the other person just may not even be aware like if you're on a diet for example and you don't tell your partner and your partner has no clue that you're actually trying to eliminate whatever at the moment or work on whatever it may be and address things, then she's not in the wrong if she turns around and she's like, oh, hey, Ryan, I'm just going to get some ice cream. Do you want some? It's like she's not trying to derail you. She just doesn't know that that's something that you're trying to work on. And similarly, if she's going to cook a meal and let's say you're in a phase where you've gone okay well can you not eat carbs or whatever or can you reduce your carb intake and she makes you like spaghetti bolognese she didn't intentionally derail you she's not aware of what you're working on and so i think asking that question early on in terms of okay does your partner know you're here yes they do okay are they supportive or are they not like that's going to be question two because just because they know you're there they may be like no they don't agree with me being here they think that it's a waste of time Right if they think it's a waste of time and a waste of money then we're going to have some issues along the way that I may need to be aware of and I'm going to keep that in the back of my head if things keep running into issues but it's just stuff that it's like these are things again I know you and I talked earlier about filling in those puzzle pieces right it's like these are the the bits of the puzzle that we need to know if we're going to create a full picture these are pieces in the puzzle that we need to know but we may not necessarily need to act on them we just need to be aware of them be, be um, in a position where, should something arise, it's not kind of blindsiding us. It's something that we were preempting, and we we strategize a way to get around that.
0: No, yeah, no. When we touched on that, that that was a great part. What I thought, what we talked about was where, like, asking those questions that an initial person may not ask or that may be uncomfortable to ask. There, like we said, there is the line that it's like you don't want to cross the line, but at the same time, there is things it's not just as easy as do this workout and, you know, eat this meal plan. It That's not going to get you results. If Like we said, you are right now, you're a combination of the last however many years you lived, like all the decisions, all the all the um personalities, et cetera, that you've experienced, you are kind of like a representation of them. So if you've had issues sleeping or if you've had issues with, you know, any illness or anything like they're going to be a massive um, thing that made like we, we talked off air where I was saying that if uh, I had a, a person talk to me I was like I'm doing everything perfect um, and I went through the entire day the entire food and um, she's you know I trusted her and uh, which is a big thing you need to be able to you know trust one of the other things that we I suppose won't get into is you know how do you know when a, tr- a client is you know telling you the truth or not just trying to you know get a cop out like oh yeah the, you know the week was great but um then she went on to explain to me about that she had a, you know, a bipolar uh, issue and that she was on, you know, medication and I just kind of asked the question of, you know, could it potentially be that there's side effects to this medication? Uh, Like, you know, like started asking those, I suppose, personal questions and where it's um, not easy to ask because you don't, you don't, because we don't know the person well enough to ask them, if that makes sense. We don't like, are questions like i said you wouldn't even necessarily ask a family member if you knew they were struggling with something or if you knew they were you know you because you don't want to bring it up you know that you know every time you bring it up it you know it affects so it is very difficult to ask questions like that is your parent does your partner know you're here is your partner supportive because if the answer is no like that's a difficult position then to be put in where it's like like someone's just told you that you know basically their partner doesn't support the choice that they made so now, like, it's like, okay, shit, what do I say <laughs> do you know, that kind of way. So most people wouldn't want to be in that uh, conversation in the first place. But like we, we said before, I personally think that it's important to know, obviously as much as possible while keeping a healthy relationship with the client. And if at any particular time, you notice whether it's, you know, a dip in mood or, you know, a, you know, a change or even a lack of communication with a client, you can kind of start, like I said, you're like you said, piecing the puzzle together and actually, you know, understanding, OK, what could be going on here and rather than because I had a client before who, you know, I used to drill on food, training, like why aren't you training? where? And I think you had a similar client that you told me where um they said, like, I just love the hour that we train. Like, this is my highlight of the week, like, you know, that kind of way um and i was grilling them on food and when they were coming i was making their hour miserable because i was like why didn't you fucking eat your food why didn't you you know do your workouts i told you to do during the week by yourself you're not gonna this is when i was younger like i didn't understand you're not gonna get anywhere you're never gonna get results but i didn't understand that that person was actually getting results by coming to me just and you know spending an hour so um obviously i never asked the questions i never i just always thought people came just for one particular goal. Um, And if I had asked those difficult questions early on, I would have, you know, obviously got a lot more information. And it's like you said, the more pieces you have, the easier the puzzle kind of is.
1: Assuming, right, is that that's where the more, the more we run on that level of assumption of this person's coming to me. And I know, um, like people make these, these jokes, right, about trainers is that, let's say Karen comes in to see you and Karen goes I want to be I want to lose 10 kilos and you're like fuck yeah you're going to look amazing in a swimsuit when we get you on stage and she's like yeah I don't want to be on stage that's definitely not what I want to do I want to lose 10 kilos I want to feel more comfortable when I go to the beach with my kids awesome you'll look great when you're tanned up and you're on stage nope don't want to be on stage and it's like <laughs> right so my assumption is Karen's coming to me, Karen wants to get absolutely shredded and Karen wants to be in a position where like we're taking photos and she looks stunning lined up next to all these other people like abs and veins and everything and she's like, nope, don't have any intention of that. And so without asking those questions and without so that we're not making those assumptions, I think something you mentioned before is that the, the questions in terms of, let's say, when you look at your client who, who suffers mental health, right, or who is, is suffering from um, bipolar and is, is needing some type of medication. Now, I spoke to you off air about this, is that like, yeah, I have depression, I take antidepressants for that. Now, if someone asks me, I'm happy to talk about it. I ask people in terms of like, oh, are you on any medications? Are there anything I need to be aware of? Are you, like, if it's women, where are you at with your your cycle? Is that a, is it a normal regular cycle? Like, if you don't feel comfortable asking certain questions, don't ask them. Like, if you can't handle the answers that someone's going to give you, don't ask the question. Because you're going to make a dick of yourself and you're going to start very, very... Um, Obviously, making it out that you are uncomfortable, then you'll make the clients uncomfortable. So if you can't turn around and say to someone, um, "Hey, look, I see you're on, um, let's say, antidepressants. I notice you've been on antidepressants. Do you mind me asking how long you've been on them for?" Like that's—it's not an intrusive question, depending on how you ask it. And this is where, like, we are health and fitness professionals. We're not fucking kids in the playground making jokes about people. Who suffer something or who have something or is, are different. We are people who are guiding people forward. And the more information we know, as long as that information can help create some type of pathway forward, it's relevant. So if someone, for example, is on antidepressant medication, if someone's on some type of gut medication, if something's on, someone's on something where they're just, they're taking um, anti-inflammatories every day, or they're just they're alcoholic or whatever else. We're not there to create judgment. It's purely we need to know how does that affect their process going forward. But if you decide to turn around and be like, okay, well, you need to fix your alcoholism or why the fuck can't you get your food sorted out or why are you having so many hard problems with this? We don't know what's going on with them and they're not going to be very likely to tell us what's going on if we start ramming into walls and trying to break them down. Like we're creating an environment where people should feel open enough to tell us the information that they need to share if it is relevant. Like we're not trying to be their best friend, but we are trying to guide them in the right direction. And if the the information is relevant, potentially we need to know about it if we know what to then do with that information. But if we don't know how to be professional with that information, or if we're going to ask questions that are now going outside of our scope of practice and try and manipulate things that are beyond our scope of practice, okay, well, again, we need to decide if just because someone's going to give you an answer to something doesn't mean you need to act on it. But we also do need to be aware that if someone, for example, is not yet ready, let's say they're having an issue with food, and you turn around, and it's like, I know you mentioned this was when you're younger, but I've seen other trainers do this It's like, okay, you need to diet. Oh, why are you binge eating? Sort your binge eating out. Why are you binge eating again? And it's like you're berating this person about binge eating. Okay, you're not fixing the problem. Like, and, and you're not probably exactly not fucked up yourself. You've probably got something else going on yourself. Don't turn around and start having a go at someone else for finding something difficult that you may now have spent years doing that you now find like, oh yeah, this is a second nature for me. I can diet, I can train, I can do all these things. That's great. That's not second nature for that person. So we need to allow our, like, the client time and the person time to actually come to a point where these things are now becoming more sustainable in their habits. But if you're going to berate someone about something, you're not going to bring change. You're just going to create a dishonesty or some type of deflection that later on down the line, if you ever ask something, they're going to lie to you. And they're not going to lie to you because they want to lie to you. They're lying to you because they'd rather not feel bad about it. So if you're trying to bring a change for something, and let's say it's binge eating, okay, well, I noticed that when we're dieting, you're binge eating on the weekends. Maybe this is not the time for dieting. Do you mind me asking, like, do you have anything that's triggering you with the binge eating? Oh, well, I feel like I I go really good through the week. I get to the weekend and I'm stressed at home. Okay, maybe we should probably work on taking your food up a little bit so you don't feel like you're binge eating. Maybe we should work on what's stressing you out at home. Maybe we could work on the environment there if that's possible. Maybe we can work on something that's within your control to allow you feel stronger or more empowered to make changes that again are within the variables you can control. And I think that's something is, again, is like if nutrition. I've worked with clients before and I've been with them for five months and I've spent the first few months. Okay, this is what we need to do in nutrition. This is what we need to do. This is the changes. This is the changes. They don't do it. And it becomes the the message is falling on deaf ears, right? So put the option out there, but understand that change for some people takes time. Some people may not be ready day one. They may not want to change. Just coming to the gym may be enough change for them. And in that situation as I've also had clients who after three or four months, five, six, seven months, finally they say, okay, I'd like to work on nutrition now. They are ready. They have come halfway and they've met you at the point that you've put out but you can't keep running over and slacking them in the face with the nutrition information, expecting that to sink in. And then when they're ready to change, the chance of success is much higher.
0: You said, and I think it was a great way that you put it, where it's like, I think you said, what is, what is triggering the binge eating? And I see it personally, especially here in Ireland and a couple of gyms I've been in, where a lot of people, and we talked about this off air as well, where asking the questions and kind of allowing the client to kind of tell you the problems and the solutions is is a good way to go about it in terms of like when you i see trainers who tell people what's wrong and um, sometimes who say the reason why you're binge eating is because you're not doing x and Y, or because it's uh you know at home or it's because of something else so i i, I do i do hear sometimes that um people actually tell them what their problems are and not necessarily sit and ask and just have a conversation because i don't think you can really you know kind of diagnose why someone now you could have a fair idea as to why they might be binge eating but if you create friction if you tell someone like if i tell you um, there's something wrong with you essentially me and you no longer have a good relationship because i've just basically insulted you but If you insult yourself to me or you open up to me and I don't judge you for that, that builds a lot of trust and, you know, you can see that I have empathy for everything that you're going through or et cetera, et cetera. So then you actually know I'm in the business of helping you and not actually, you know, helping myself.
1: There's um, something you mentioned there is that trying to diagnose, right? you're not dealing with cars, like we're not mechanics. We're not just someone who they drop their car off and then at the end of the day, they come back and you're like, well, yeah, I can see you've got a flat tire and I can see based on this, you're missing a spark plug. It's like the, the answers are there. And then if, if they bring in a, a more complicated issue, then okay, well, I need to spend a little bit of time and di- like actually diagnosing the problem, if you will. Humans aren't that way inclined. Like unless you have someone that you have had from day dot all the way through to, let's say 30, and you've seen every single moment and every single development they've gone through, issue, whatever else, and choice they've made, then you may be able to start going, okay, well I can see that when you made this decision when you were five, that made a really bad decision about hamburgers, because yeah, you got a hamburger fell on your head and you got burnt. And it's like, right, so we can see what may have caused it, right? Like what may have led to that. But we, we don't have that ability as trainers for someone to come in and say, well, I suffer binge eating. And you can say, okay, well, I can see you suffer binge eating because of X. No, you don't know. We have no clue. You're not a therapist. You're not unpacking that person's shit. You're not trying to sit there and go, okay, I need to delve through everything. You're trying to help them move forward. Now, you can provide tools to help them move forward and dieting or whatever it may be or excess training or cardiovascular conditioning or whatever it may be may not be suitable at the time. So we need to take a different approach. But we still need to remember at the end of the day as we're working with individuals and I I know a a question you asked me a while back was um, that would I choose experience over university study, right? And it's like, University study is great. I think study in itself, going and upskilling, doing all those types of things, amazing. We all need to be working on being better in some way and somehow. However, do I think university study is better than personal experience in terms of hours on the gym floor and everything else? No. Because at the end of the day, as you're dealing with people, what you've learned in a textbook doesn't mean you can directly apply it to real life. Because you and let's say you and your partner came to see me and you both go, okay, we want to lose weight or we want to get stronger or whatever we want to do. Okay, fine. I can't give you based on, okay, well, Ryan, here's your your diet. Boom, there you go. Off you go and do it. And where's your partner? Cool, there's, there's her diet. Off you go, do it. And expect the same results. She may be like, you run through perfectly. She may be binging every third day. She may be not telling me under reporting. She may be like overeating on some days. She may be like adding an extra training. And I'm like, well, no, I gave you the plan. The plan should work. Why is it not working? Because we're dealing with humans and humans are highly complicated. So we have to account for a lot of variables. But the first thing we have to account for is having a discussion and actually gathering information. And more of us also need to be able to be comfortable with sitting down, having a discussion and sitting in silence, waiting for an answer. The amount of people like if, I, if you and I sat in the same room and I asked you a question and you didn't want to answer that question, you know, you can probably wait around three seconds, maybe up to five, and then I'll probably jump in and fill in the answer. And the moment you do that once or twice, You very quickly learn, okay, well, if my trainer asks me a question and I'm not comfortable, I'll create some awkward silence. Then they'll fill in the gap anyway, or they'll ask me something else or fill in with an answer, and then all I need to do is nod. And now they feel they're getting the answer they wanted to hear. But that's not the answer that's accurate. That's just the answer that we believed or we assumed at the time. So you need to be able to ask a question, and I say to you, okay, Ryan, why do you want to lose weight? and you may sit there for a good 2 or 3 minutes and I'm like I don't mind I'm I can wait like I'm not in a rush here so take your time and then finally I get out oh it's because like look my birthday's coming up it's a really big birthday like yeah, there's more to it than just I wanted to drop five kilos. Like, there's something at the, at the base of that, right? Like, yes, sometimes it's just you want to lose weight, and sure, that's a good goal. But why do you want to lose weight? Because why are you going to want to sustain that? Or why do you want to gain size? Or why do you want to lift more? Or why do you want to run faster? Like, what's the reason behind it? You don't just wake up one day and pick an arbitrary number and go, I want to lose X, or I want to be 160 kilos and shredded. Why? Like, what's your motivation?
0: I agree. The first thing I do when a client comes to me is ask them, why have you come to me? Like, what honestly could I do to help you? Because, or if there's any goal that you have, um, you need to tell me because until I break down that barrier of what that person wants and why they want it, it's very difficult to actually understand. And because if someone can say to you, well, I want to lose weight. And it's like, okay, well, you've given them this plan and you know, they're, are not doing it it's like why aren't they doing it if they want this you know what I mean so sometimes like I said and again people will come in and they'll you know like you said creating that awkward silence where and I think a lot of trainers need to take that approach as well that was a great um kind of piece that you said where like you, you need to ask those questions and it, okay if you're not comfortable doing so don't ask them and the experience on the floor I think a lot of people like they said, they go, and they research, and they study, um, and they become experts in a particular field, whether that's, you know, bodybuilding, whether it's, you know, drugs, wherever, and, you know, they have that kind of, like, model that they just, you know, you come to me, and you look like this, um, and I think, like, we talked, where it's, like, 90% of the people that we train on a day-to-day basis are, uh, you know, general population, and the one thing we can count, like I said, humans are, is humans, and, you know, they're very complicated, so, you know understanding why they want to do something understanding if something just happened like literally if someone signed up to your you know online coaching at four o'clock in the morning and um, you know on a saturday night it could be you know because they you know had a f- fight with their spouse and do you know what i mean and now they're like right oh, i'm going to change my life like that and like like even understanding or even looking at like that can can help paint a better picture and like you said the more pieces you have the the better it can get um or the the better advice that you can give to a client but i definitely think people need to uh, adopt that but it it's 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 not an easy thing to do because it comes across like you don't want to help the person or that you're you know like it's, it's a difficult thing to to do um because sometimes i see it uh, and i see where people will will talk about mental health personally and everybody that comes to them they will almost tell them that you know this is for your mental health this is what you need to do and that may not be true for everybody that they see like they're saying that you know i'm improving your mental health i'm improving your mental health by coming to me i'm improving your mental health and you know that's the context of the message that they spread out this is i suppose a trainer and where it's like the kind of background message that I see to that is is that you're telling someone they're broken, but they may not be broken in the first place where like you may be saying to someone, yeah, like, you know, I, you know, uh, we're training with me. Your mental health will go up. This will go up and you know, like they throw the word mental health in there because it's kind of like, um, it's, it's, it's kind of like a big thing. Obviously a lot more attention has been brought around it and which is great. But then there's the trainers who might manipulate it and say you know i can improve your mental health it's like but by training alone do you think obviously there is science to say that you know training doesn't prove it but it's not the only source of improving it and if someone hasn't got an issue in the first place by you telling them they can approve it do they then judge themselves to say that maybe i'm not as mentally strong as i could be it does that make sense
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I guess that jumps out is like, if you're going to go around toting what you can improve, so let's say you're like, I will, you come to see me and I'll improve your mental health, I'll do this, I'll do this. It's all fucking talk, right? Like, at the end of the day is that we can all say that. Like, you could come to me and I can say, all right, Ryan, I can get your train with me because I'll, I'll get your bench up. I'll get your bench up to 200 kilos and I'll get you jacked. Okay. But like, you don't need to tell him, just do it. Like do the job, do what you, what the person is paying you to do, do that. Like your client should be able to turn around and say to you in a month, six months, whatever it may be is like, I I've noticed there's been a big improvement in my mental health. That's awesome. Like I, there's a lot of people out there who like to blow their trumpets in terms of what they can do you tend to notice those people who blow their trumpets really loud don't know jack shit. But the people who don't really, and a, I, I sit conflicted on this because I think the people who can do the, the greatest good, they, they're they very outspoken um, and they don't necessarily, well, they, they don't speak loudly and more as confidently as they should of themselves, right? And so the people who are out there to, Um, Yes, maybe they're trying to make a difference, but they're doing it by kind of screaming at the rooftops like how amazing they are and everything else. And so they're they're sounding, they're drowning out everyone else, right? And so they're creating a lot of attention that way. And I think there's something, we like keywords that people can latch onto and keywords that also create fear that if you don't follow this, your something's gonna be wrong. Like look at the whole gut health, mental health, gut health, shit. You wanna talk about like keywords that people can say in terms of, oh yeah, well you've got, uh, if I throw in some medical terms and oh, you've got a microbiome um, deficiency and it's like, oh shit, how did you know that? Oh, well based on this, this and this and, and you're showing me that your gut bacteria and your gut flora are, are nearing the ends of their life. Oh my God, and it's like, you don't fucking know. We don't have the testing out there to be, be doing that. And that's also not your scope of practice. Like leave that to a medical professional to t- say that. But if I throw around big words that can create scare tactics or that can create fear or create whatever it is to create some um, form of buy-in, then I can use these words to manipulate people to do what I need them to do. But yet you think about, like, let's say the mental health side of things. You go, okay, you're coming to see me to improve your mental health. But how do you know that you're giving them the exercises that are going to improve their mental health to the best ability? How do you know that like you come and see me and I say, all right, Ryan, we're going to be doing, we're going to do um, back squats today. Maybe that's the worst thing for you. Maybe you absolutely hate them and you're terrified of them. But I'm like, no, we're going to do back squats today. Get your ass in there. Then we're going to be combining that with, um, we're going to do heaps of chin-ups afterwards. And you're like, you're terrified of heights, even though you're not that high off the floor. you are like, I'm terrified of heights. I'd rather not do them. Fuck it. Get up there. And then it's like, now we're going to finish with arm training. And you're just like, all I wanted to do was I'd like to learn to run better. And I've really been interested in calisthenics or body weight movements. That's what gives you the most happiness. So we're not optimizing someone's mental health we're, if anything, deteriorating it. But now we're creating fear around if they don't come and see you, their mental health, which may or may not already be in a good place, is suddenly going to be worse. And these are the things that it's like, your job is not to improve necessarily one area of someone's life. If someone's coming to see you, health is such an encompassing factor that yes, it it consists of uh, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, like it's all these different things, right? And then all of that has offshoots as well. And we've gotta be trying to look at how do we optimize or how do we improve those areas as a whole but then also some areas may need more attention. Now, if you're not someone who specializes in nutrition, okay, that's probably not your area to be working on. But just understand that you can, you can kind of work in a very, very basic sense, but you shouldn't be giving detailed information. Do you even have the qualifications to be giving it? Yes or no. And it's like, if you don't, which most people don't, don't be giving specific information that could shoot you in the ass later. I mean, I don't know what it's like over in Ireland, but especially here in Australia is the the risk of court cases and being sued and all that type of stuff of doing damage and doing misguided or mispracticed information is pretty high in the sense of like your risk is very high as a trainer. So you get qualified or stay out of it. But when it comes to improving things, it's like you cannot say to someone, if you come and see me and do exercise, I'm improving your mental health. Or I'm going to improve X or whatever it may be. <clears throat> it's more what consists of that. Now we think of like what, what 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 boosts your mental health? Sleep, feeling good, like positive perceptions, right? In terms of your emotional well-being and outlook on life. Food, yes, can have an impact. Relationships can have an impact. Having a good social network can have an impact. Having a purpose can have an impact. You can't address all of that. So, yes, you may be contributing it to, but you can't tote that you're the one person improving that.
0: I 100% agree. Um, and I think on that note, Shane, I think we'll just wrap it up. We're just coming up to an hour and a half. So, <laughs> so like I said, um, where can people find uh, you if they want to find more about you and uh, you know they like what you're saying and stuff like that?
1: Uh, so, you can find me, so... Um... I feel like this is where I need like a web page and all the other stuff. Damn! <laughs> um, so you can find me. So I'm on I'm on Instagram at at Shane O'Leary Fitness. Um, but I, as I say, I work for Muscle Nerd's. Um, we're Muscle Nerd's Health. So at Muscle Nerd's Health, um, we're an Australian based company. Um, you'll find me. So in terms of uh, there's uh, at True Fitness PT, which is a colleague of mine. There's at Luke Lehman, and then there's at Zoe Knight. Um, we're all kind of a collective that work together um, in terms of representing muscle nerds health. So yeah, we, we do education in terms of like we teach a lot of this stuff, man. It's like we try and help trainers be better trainers and be better versions of themselves. And that's why we put put the courses out there to try and help trainers be better trainers to a lot of general pop clients as well is because people aren't teaching that stuff. And we do, we we teach you how to deal with the psychological side of things. We teach you how to deal with stress management. We teach you how to deal with some nutrition. We teach you how to deal with um, long-term periodization, all those types of things. But we also teach you just how to think. And and that's the biggest thing is just teaching people to be able to learn effectively and be be able to critically evaluate and critically think and and build better um, careers moving forward. Like that's the one thing for our students is we want all of our students to thrive with businesses because then that leaves a bigger impact, right? It's like, it's thinking about that bigger footprint. You don't, it's the same way you don't want to just affect one client. You want to affect all your clients and then your trainers who are underneath you, you want them to all affect all of their clients. So, um, so yeah, you can find me at Shane O'Leary Larry fitness, um, or at muscle Nuts health.
0: Super, perfect. I really appreciate taking taking the time out of your day. I know there's time difference, so it's yes, excuse if I was a little bit groggy. It's a little bit early here. <laughs> I'm used to doing these at more like, you know, like midday kind of lunchtime. time. have a bit of food in me and stuff like that. But um, no, super. I appreciate your time. Um, and yeah, I think we'll call it quits there.